Welcome to the brand new Women for His Honor podcast ministry. I'm your host, Shannon Torkelson. I'm a stay-at-home wife and mom of two children. Your other friendly ministry team members include email coordinator Rhoda Yoder, interview assistant Ruth Bennett, phone coordinator Mary Sue Moss, and social media coordinator Erica Webb. You can learn a little bit more about us and our ministry in the About section on our website. Just log on to www.womenforhishonor.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Women for His Honor podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Torkelson. I'm finally back after a long period of silence for me. I was sick, and then I moved to a new home about an hour from where we had been living. So, and then just different things since then. So it's so exciting to be finally be back and be back on the air tonight. I'm on the line here with Ruth Bennett. She is from Lake Placid, Florida. Hi, Ruth. Hi, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing awesome. Having so much fun finally recording again with you. I'm excited (laughs) about this experience too. We'll tell the audience that this is actually the first time in Women First Honor podcast history that two members of the team are recording together at the same time. Ruth Bennett had filled in for me when she recorded with Sherry Grieber when I was sick, if you all remember that. But this time, this is a this is a really good, happy time for us that we can finally get the backstory of one of our podcast team members. Um, Ruth joined the team in early 2018. And we can just hear a little bit about her story and why she joined our podcast ministry. Ruth, can you tell us where you're from? Hi. um, I am originally, I grew up in Pennsylvania in the the Blue Mountains um, that run up through Pennsylvania. We lived in a a little tiny property and um, yeah, just loved living there when I was married. I actually moved to Iowa. And then from Iowa, we're down here in Florida now. So a little bit of a triangle, a little bit of um, some travel and different experiences. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to be here in Florida. Wow. And I'm really happy for you to be in here in Florida, too, because we may not have ever met and become such good friends and be on this ministry team together. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been a long time coming, I guess. A lot of uh, a lot of story. And we'd love to hear more about wh- how you got here. Uh, when you married, when you got married, what did you dream your life would be like? Well, I met this dashing young man from Iowa. Actually, he he came to Pennsylvania <laughs> to uh, win my heart, and well, I knew that when I got married, I would probably um, be committed to some version of ministry. I didn't know exactly what that would look like, um, and so when I married Ian, I knew that he was very much committed to the community in Iowa, our little church group out there. And so I figured uh, probably for the rest of my life, I would be pouring myself into the people there. I didn't know, you know, maybe the Lord would take us on international missions for a few years. I doubted it, but um, yeah, I just, I figured that we would, you know, have lots of children and a big house and host people and have a garden and do, you know, a lot of things like my mom had done life. Uh, just in a, in a different setting, just loving people and uh, pointing them to the Lord. And so I think even though before I was married, I had lots of dreams of, of um, doing other things. Once I 
said yes to Ian, I knew that he was committed to Iowa, so I figured that's probably what I would be committed to as well. Wow. That was uh, that was a huge adjustment to think it was going to go this way, and it completely went a different way. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ruth, can you tell us a little bit about your hobbies, anything you like to enjoy doing besides being on this podcast ministry? <laughs> yeah, um, I have loved the experience of being on this podcast ministry. Um, I'll just say a little bit about that. Shannon, I met Shannon a year or two ago when we moved first moved down here just uh, this bright, bubbly personality, and um, she had just had Gentry, and it was just really precious to be able to hold a baby and um, be able to interact. I feel like that was my first connection with Shannon, actually, her her little girl, and um, when she asked me to be part of the team, I was really at a place in life where I was looking for um, some new opportunities, some way to be stretched and to grow and to uh, be able to to love and minister to other people. And so, um, it just seemed like it was a really great fit and I've enjoyed the, the opportunity. So, uh, I definitely do podcast, um, when I make the time for it, which I probably don't make enough time <laughs> for that, but we all feel that in some yep. ways. Um, and then I have a couple of part-time jobs that I do. I, I help a, a young mother, and I do some cleaning and I have a registrar job. I love hosting people. That's one of the, the greatest joys in our life is when we can host people. Um, I love to cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love gardening. And honestly, one of the things that is nearest and dearest to me is when I can sit down with a friend and have a good heart to heart chat. I can do groups. I can do bubbly. I can do, um, you know, big crowds. But I always feel so much more satisfied when I can uh, just have one-on-one time with someone and we can get into the nitty gritties of life. So, yeah. Yeah. Whenever we're together, usually one of us grabs coffee for the other one. That is always such a fun thing to just hold on to your coffee as we talk together. So going back to when you talked about your dreams of how life was going to be after you got married, did you feel like your dreams were good dreams? Um, dreams that like God laid on your heart or do you feel like do you feel differently now how do you feel about that yeah for sure um it just felt like not necessarily what I'd always dreamed life would be but definitely what I thought the Lord was was calling us to at that at that stage in life and you know we we just loved it we uh, rented a large farmhouse where we lived and we just filled it with guests over and over again. My family came out. There was one weekend. Um, my husband is from a large family as well. There's, um, 10 children in each family, five and five, just some random five boys, five girls and, um, (laughs) each side, just a random, uh, little bit of information there. But anyway, um, so there was one weekend, it was a wedding in our community there and both of my families came out for it. And I, I don't remember exactly how many people we had a few extras in, but we had people in the attic, which it was not a finished attic. We rigged something up and the bedrooms were just like packed out floor to floor. And we honestly only had one full bathroom. And so people were like taking turns and anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, we, we, we really felt fulfilled and, uh, like we were doing what the Lord had called us to do. 
So if you felt fulfilled and purposeful in your life in Iowa, why did you move all the way down here to Florida? (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, that's a really long story. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can keep it short. It gets really lengthy, but about a half a year into, That's okay. about a half a year into our marriage, my husband, Ian, um, started feeling ill. He was working as a truck driver at that point and was running some pretty intense long days, but then he would have a few days off. And so the hours were working out pretty normally, but we were just noticing, um, just some severe exhaustion and ex- he was experiencing a lot of pain in his lower legs and some of it, some of it in his arms. We didn't really know what we were facing. So we started visiting the chiropractor. We started trying some natural options. We eventually started doing like panels worth of blood testing because um, we we talked to some doctors and they were saying this sounds kind of serious. And Mm. so long story short, we ended all the way up at Mayo Clinic um, and where, how far was that from where you were living in Iowa? Yeah, actually that was in Minnesota, just over the border from us in Iowa. It was a God thing. We were only six hours away. So we were able to make the drive back and forth when we needed to. And there was a precious family there that hosted us, um, a couple of times when we would go up for testing and, and different things. Mm. And we, at the end, um, basically at the end, the doctors looked at us and said, we don't really know exactly what's going on. It seems similar to a genetic muscular disease and we could do the genetic testing for it. It would be very expensive. And in the end, basically all we'd be able to do is tell you a name and there, we really don't know what to tell, you know, our genetic muscular disease patients as far as treatments. Um, so just whatever feels like it's working well for you, go ahead, see if you can try it. If anything changes, come back and visit us. And so it was very much a, a discouraging moment for us because when, when you sort of feel the unknown and the uncertainty of, of what's going to happen in your future, as much as we didn't want to have a, a bad diagnosis and, and every time like we would have more testing and it come back, um, negative, there was a little bit of rejoicing, you know, like, okay, praise the Lord. You know, we don't think we're dealing with cancer and we don't think we're dealing with disease and we don't think we're dealing with, you know, uh, a liver problem or a nervous system problem. Uh, just all these things, obviously the doctors are not God and medicine mm-hmm. is, has it come a long way, but really it is the practice of medicine and they don't know everything. And so we just really had to trust that, that God knew it was going on in our lives and that he was going to take care of us. It was, it was just a really intense time for us. One of the things that the Ian knew about what was going on was that he realized that if he would stay really warm, actually really hot, he could move a lot better, but it had to be basically like at the sweating point. So if he could get up to about the place where he was sweating, he could handle life a lot better. So, uh, we just, in that old farmhouse, we just started turning the heat up hotter and hotter and hotter. Uh, we slept in like a 90, 95 degree bedroom and all that heat just started making it possible for Ian to be able to walk again. He used a cane for about a year, year and a half. Um, there was a period of time where he used a wheelchair at home or if he tried to go any place for any distance. Like I just remember longing to go on walks with him and it'd be like, well, I guess that's just not an option. Um, Mm -hmm. it was sort of where we were in life. 
And he started wearing layers and layers of clothing and Carhartt on top. So even today, if he's in air conditioning, he looks like a bundled up little Eskimo, um, pulls his hood down over his head. And um, so, you know, we're still dealing with the implications. But one of the things that it seemed like we needed to, to consider seriously was moving to a warmer climate. And so in February of 2016, um, God sort of miraculously opened the doors for us to move here to Lake Placid and to see how I would do in the heat if he could, you know, actually live instead of just, you know, trying to survive his days one at a time. So where you don't have to just turn up the heat all day long. He could just go outside and actually feel a little bit more comfortable. Yes. Yes, for sure. You know, at that point we were still living in Iowa and the situation, it felt really desperate. We didn't really have a life. We were doing good to just, you know, survive one day after the other, you know, going out, spending time with people just wasn't an option. We would be good to, you know, get late to church. Um, if I had energy that, that week to be able to do that. And usually we would visit a little bit afterwards and then rush home back into the heat. I know that my relationship with God was going through some just really intense times. I asked questions, but often there wasn't even energy to do that, just to cry, you know, Um, to do the next thing, to just keep breathing and to run to him, you know, in my pain. I'm not naturally an angry person, so I didn't really struggle with feeling angry with God, just deeply, deeply hurt. Somehow I was able to sort out that it, it wasn't God's fault that I was feeling hurt, but rather, you know, it was because of sin, because of the fall, that the situation is the way it is. I could really relate to you so many God moments through the process, how the Lord took care of us, how the Lord specifically spoke to my heart in the midst of, of just the uncertainty of knowing, you know, I was, I was working out of the home and then back in the home with, um, we were babysitting children so that I could actually be there in case Ian's uh, illness got progressively worse. We just, you know, we just didn't know what to expect for the future. And there was, there was one time in the midst of this, that the Lord just really spoke to me. And I, I just love to share this moment with you. It was, it was like the Lord gave me a picture of a little girl in the middle of a, a very dark black rainstorm and the clouds and uh, just pouring down rain and she's just standing there with her little hand stretched out in a in a raincoat just feeling the drops of rain as they fall and in that picture the Lord spoke to my heart about how he sees me and about how he sees the storm through that experience I just felt like the Lord was saying you know this is rain and I'm showering rain down on your heart to soften it and to bring about my work and what I'm trying to do in your heart and if you can just experience this rain as, as my grace pouring down into your heart, then you're actually catching a glimpse of, of what I'm trying to do here in this situation. For me, that was just a moment, a, a connection with the Lord, like, you know, thank you for being part of this and for actually giving some meaning to this pain in my life, to what I'm experiencing. Um, mm-hmm. So that little, that picture, I actually took or that, that picture that the Lord gave to my mind, I talked to one of my sisters who, who's an artist. Her name is Martha. And I asked her if she would be willing to paint a picture of this little girl that I had imagined in my mind's eye. And, mm. um, so she did. And that, that storm and the little girl 
now hang in my home. And it's a constant reminder to me of, of God and grace and really, you know, his perspective of the storm, not mine. I never knew that that's what that picture was at your home. Yeah. So did you jot down anywhere over this time? Like, did you keep a journal or a diary? Yeah, sure. Actually, this is sort of what the the picture was about. I had a, a little journal entry. I was actually blogging at the time uh, just to keep people updated because everybody wanted to know what was going on and you can't call everybody in your life. And so, um, exactly. I was, yeah, so I was blogging. These were some of the words that I wrote over that time. If God gives me more years of life to live, I pray that when I look back on our first year of marriage, I will remember grace. When I look at life, it seems like dark black clouds are hanging over us, drenching us with rain. My heart wants to run. It wants to hide. It wants safety. It wants light and not darkness. It wants life and the ability to breathe. But instead, God is helping my heart to find beauty in the clouds and even in the storm. When the thunders of the unknown boom, I'm learning the boldness of trust. When the lightning snaps its surprise, I'm learning the patience of taking each surprise with hope. And the rain, oh the rain, I'm learning that so much of it is in my perspective. I can reach my hand out and say, it stings, I'll be drenched, it pours and it pounds. Or I can look at each precious drop as a gift from God. I see the softening effect it has on my hard heart. I see the growth that it brings. I see the grace that is in each and every one of those little drops. Early in the spring, when I was starting to garden, I was thinking about how we often use hard and tough tools to break up ground for planting. It was fascinating to see that God used rain with the same effect. Gentle rain brings softness. I remember specifically asking God over that time that I would be able to respond to his grace and the words from a song, Oh, for grace our hearts to soften. And now, today, I live that prayer fulfilled, moment by moment. Seeing grace and accepting grace, it can be as difficult as extending grace to someone that has wronged me. Mm -hmm. Grace comes in so many forms. Sometimes I don't even know what it is and I call it pain, I call it despair. I daily find, though, that grace is using the pain and despair to turn my heart to a God who holds my wound with a tender hand, a God who faithfully keeps his promises by building hope, and a God who knows what I need. That's beautiful. And it's, and it's good for you to go back and reminisce over those blog entries so that oh, you can yes. over the time. Yes, absolutely, Shannon. Sorry, I'm there trying to talk over top of you. But yeah, just to be able to say these words, every time I have the opportunity to share it with somebody, the Lord just reminds my heart to come back to, you know, this was a beautiful work in my life. Yes, there was so much pain, so much uncertainty. We had no idea. We didn't, at, at one point, I thought my husband was dying and you know, we talked about not necessarily funeral plans, but like, you know, what would actually happen if he did die? And, you know, we, we, we actually addressed some of those things and really had no idea what the future was supposed to hold, how to provide financially for ourselves. But the Lord just, just stepped in over and over and over again through the whole process. Wow. I remember at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned how just trying to get through the day and trying to find the meaning in life. Can you tell us a little bit more about what, what that meant for you? Actually, this kind of brings my story a little bit more current. Uh, this past winter, felt like a really long, hard winter. I think I have yet to realize how much Ayan's illness has really impacted and deeply impacts him and us. I like to 
live in this bubble where I believe that, you know, it'll all soon be over and we can go on and, you know, live normal life again somehow. Mm -hmm. And I forget or I don't really understand how that Ian still, you know, deeply struggles to do more than just get up in the morning and try to survive the day physically and mentally. Now, I would say that surviving, that version of surviving means something completely different here in Florida than it did in Iowa, because in Iowa, basically, he was just able to sit in a chair. Um, that was about all that he could do throughout the day. So, you know, now it means facing the responsibilities here on the little mission that, that God has placed us on, part-time, full-time jobs, and, and thinking about making plans for, for whatever the future is supposed to look like. So throughout the winter... Yeah, I was just, just feeling really discouraged and the Lord was able to speak into some of that discouragement. At one point I was like, you know, Lord, I want a fresh, I want a freshness. I want a new picture of sort of how you see me or, or my situation. I want to hear, you know, I want scripture to come alive in a new way or something. And, and honestly, I wasn't really thinking about the picture of the little girl in the storm. But one morning I was uh, just driving along talking to the Lord and he brought another picture of a little girl into uh, my mind's eye and it was just a very different setting, but it was the same little girl. And I had never really thought about uh, that one picture being a, you know, having a, having a sequel to it. Um, and now I'm kind of excited because I'm like, you know, maybe this is how the Lord's going to speak into my life, you know, just a progression of little girls in different scenarios. But <clears throat> so this one was a little girl and it was in the middle of a desert and there was no water around. It was just her standing there in a little white dress. And right at um, the base of her, of her feet was a little desert rose that's growing. And so much of that picture represents how I feel and, and my life here in Florida. During the winter months here in Florida is the dry season and we see very little rain. And unless you have hefty irrigation, everything just kind of dries up around you. But there are some different plants that actually survive really well here in, in the Because you're a little bit further from the coast, right? Yes, exactly. So people always think of Florida as the, as the um, Amazon, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, and during the summertime, during the rainy season, it very much is. You know, it's, it's a very wet climate. I, the rain has already started and we see rain almost every day. And stuff just molds and, you know, plants can hardly hold up. It's really difficult to garden during the summertime because of the heat and the <laughs> moisture. But in the wintertime, it's just a very different story. So I was just feeling like a sort of a desert season in my, in my own heart. Just, yeah, just really could relate to that little girl out there. But through that desert, through this past winter, God has brought so many little moments of beauty into my life. I can look at the sand, I can look at the desert and feel discouraged and wonder, you know, how we're going to make it through, wonder what the next thing is on the horizon, wonder, we just have a lot of, of uh, questions in our lives. We've been married now for, for over five years and we haven't been able to have children and that's just a, a deep grief in our life. And so, you know, there's so many questions that come with that. You know, do you pursue doctoring? Do you pursue adoption? Do you um, just say, you know, this is where God has you and, you know, rejoice in the fact that you can do things as two married people that a couple with a lot of children can't do. You know, what does this experience mean for us or right where we're at right now? 
Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can look at all the unknowns, all the uncertainty, all the dryness in my life, the places that feel barren, that feel like they'll never grow anything. Or I can take those, those areas in my life where I see growth or where I see growth in other people and really experience the beauty of that moment. Um, whether it's a kind word spoken to me or whether it's watching a family interact or whether it's being able to hold a child, uh, you know, hold somebody else's baby and, and feel the love and uh, just the relationship there. Whether it's, you know, the opportunity to pour uh, myself into hosting or just different little opportunities right outside my door. I have a Gerber daisy. It's a flower that blooms. It's very gaudy. Anyway, lots of bright color. And in the North, I tried to grow these things and they had never worked. But down here in Florida, I have this one and it just, um, my husband got it for me over Christmas and this is May and there has never been a day where there wasn't a bloom on it, Um, which is, which is fascinating to me that it, keeps producing like that. And every time I go in and out of that door, I'm reminded of, of beauty and to be able to focus on, on beauty that, that God has given. And like that desert rose to be able to see that instead of having to focus on the sand and just the, the, the barrenness that's around me. Mm-hmm. Now you're talking about the ministry that you live now. Obviously I know, um, I'm from here in Florida also. Um, but the audience doesn't know what that ministry is and what it's about. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I'm glad you um, brought that up next because I felt like I touched on it a tiny bit, but not very much. When we moved down here initially, we were looking to obviously be able to try to serve somewhere, but didn't know what that was supposed to look like. And God opened the doors. There's a, a tiny little mission out here in Central Florida in Little Lake Placid. Um, it's about halfway between the, the Gulf and the coast. And it was started by some conservative Anabaptists from the Sarasota area. The, the goal of the mission is just to be able to love and bless uh, people. And they're looking at possibly a future in counseling or a treat, retreat type center. Mm-hmm. Um, the ministry is still in its building stages. It's been a long drawn out process just for a lot of varied reasons. So we're currently living here in a motor home in the garage of the, the main building that's, that's being completed. We basically live in sort of a glorified campground. Um, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cute actually. And it works really great for you know, where we're at right now, but it's it's, it's, other states. You couldn't really live that way necessarily because of the weather. Yeah. But that we have balmy weather down here, that works works out. Okay. It does. And the balmy weather or the heat, the, the, yeah, the, the times in Florida where everybody moans and groans and rushes into their (laughs) air conditioning. That's, you know, when we really come alive, because that's when Ian does his best. But, you know, we're, we're currently self-supported, which means that, you know, we both have part-time, full-time jobs, and then try to sort of dedicate the rest of our time to the current projects here on the mission. There's a lot of things that are going on. Part of it is the construction. And actually, two young people from our church in Iowa are down here. They've said that they wanted to commit to giving some time to the mission here. And so, uh, one is the young man and his sister, they're working with the building project and some of the agriculture that's going on. We have, it's a, just a little five acre plot. So agriculture sounds exotic, but anyway, (laughs) um, so there's a little farm and we have a couple of animals and chickens and we've raised out meat birds and, 
Um, a I'll just interrupt here for a moment here. Five acres in Florida is actually quite a few. Now, if you go up north, that might seem like everybody has five acres, but down here, that's a that's a pretty big piece of land. <laughs> yeah. So some of the other projects that are going on here, the animals and the construction, obviously, and then. I have been trying to learn how to garden in Florida, and this has been quite the experience for me because we live on a plot of land that is considered sugar sand, so it's like um, trying to plant something in your child's uh, sandbox. There's <laughs> really no nutrients or anything in the soil. I mean, there's scrub that can grow in this kind of climate, but even during the, the wintertime, it starts to look a little gruff and scruff looking. But anyway, so I'm in the middle of my fourth attempt at a garden. It has been very humorous to me, just the, <laughs> the different experiences. I could write a comedy about everything that's happened, whether, you know, because of my ignorance or my laziness or just like, oh, it'll grow, it'll work, this will be fine. And then come to find out, no, no, not really. And um, most people would have given up by the, probably the second attempt, yeah, but you kept pursuing it. Keep trying. We're, we're still trying. I love the garden. And so, you know, to me, to be able to go out and work in it is, is just really rejuvenating. And so I'm not going to give up very easily, but one of the benefits of being in Florida is that you actually get to have two growing seasons. So it's not like, oh, wait, now I got to wait for winter time. Rather it's, oh, uh, let me just start over again quick. And maybe we can survive. So basically the one growing season goes from like August until December when we start to get frost and then maybe February, January, February, you can start over again until May or June, maybe into July as far as July until like the wetness and the moisture and humidity just kill everything. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> some of my funny little attempts, um, when we first, first got started, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this right. We bought all the supplies. I built like these boxes and I, you know, mixed up this special mix that was supposed to grow things like crazy and put it all in and, uh, planted my seeds and, they all came up. I was, I was really excited, but they only grew about four inches and then they stopped. And I was like, what? I don't understand. And then I went out and I bought, you know, these tomatoes and planted them. And a few days later I went out and I was like, why are the tomatoes chewed off? So we have this really bad rabbit problem. Basically you can't grow anything unless you <laughs> fence it in. So I was like, okay, I can fence this in, but it still wasn't fixing my like four inch problem. Like why are my green beans only four inches high? And they would like put out this little pathetic bloom and then, you know, a random green bean would grow on it, but not, you know, and the lettuce, like you'd think lettuce could grow in anything. No. Anyway, so I don't know exactly what the problem was. I'm assuming that maybe like the compost I mixed in, I had purchased it. Maybe it was sterile and there just wasn't any nutrients in it. I don't know. Anyway, so my next attempt, we fenced everything in. I had had time to actually start my own compost. We were raising animals and so there were like byproducts from that and it was, it was really great. Just uh, learning different blights and learning about, you know, you can grow squash, but it, there's a magnesium deficiency in most of the soil. And so you have to like foliar feed and all sorts of funny things. Anyway, one of the, one of the things I found myself doing was like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get any sort of nutrients into the soil possible. So we had a milk cow for a couple of months and I would go out uh, like from, <laughs> from the, you know, like the Oregon trail or something out scooping 
cow manure up to put on my compost pile. And uh, there's another funny story. I was driving past my neighbor's house just around the corner and I was like, what are in those trash bags? They were like, massive pile of trash bags. I was like, I, I bet that is some sort of like tree matter or something like that. So sure enough, I like poked one of the bags and it was full of oak leaves. And I was like, oh, yay, I'm so excited. And so I went home and I loaded up the trailer and my husband was like, are you for real? Are you really doing this? Anyway, I loaded 60 <laughs> black trash bags full of oak leaves, How many? 60 of them. Wow. Yes. I felt like a muscle woman. Anyway, whatever. And then I parked them out back to begin sort of the decomposition process and we used them for mulch and things like that. But anyway, so. So you used all 60. Uh, well, I think there might be a few around, but not very many. We go through mulch very, very rapidly. We've had um, some bark. The The tree men will come by and, and trim trees and we'll always run out and be like, can you please give us some? And so they'll, it took the, the first summer I thought we were never going to get chips and finally some man took pity on us and brought some back for me I was so excited anyway so we yeah we mulch with with wood chips whatever uh, basically anything that you can get your hands on that's that's like plant material because it just absorbs right into the ground the sandal take it away anyway so those are just some some random things I I now finally have a garden that looks kind of decent except that we just had the most torrential rains this past week so of course there's bugs all over my tomatoes and they're just eating them up while they're still green and the rain of course is making them split wide open which makes the bugs come even thicker and anyway so right now I'm just saying it's okay I'm gonna I been taking them in green and seeing if they'll ripen on my counter but just you know one more experience it's like okay we'll keep trying I had um this feels a little bit late for me to be trying to harvest tomatoes but we had a random cold snap in March I had two foot tomatoes tomato plants and they <laughs> just got all frosted off so anyway, uh -huh. it's just part of part of the process but um, it's been definitely a fun learning process and I, yeah, I just have to keep laughing. Like I'll go outside and I'll find something else and I'm just like, you know, it's okay. I'll just keep trying. And I have, I've been able to harvest, um, some things and that's been really exciting for me to be able to have, you know, some of our own home cooked food. So yeah. It feels a little bit more like home then. Yes, absolutely. That's for sure. So Ruth, how about you just tell us what a typical day in your life looks like? Well, in the morning, usually if it's in the winter time, I get up and I have some quiet time. I go outside, I water a lot of my plants because they usually need watered in the mornings. And that's sort of the start to my day. And then with my different random jobs, I sometimes I have a, a cleaning job I go to and um, sometimes I drive to the homeschool mom and help her out for, for a day or two. Then I also have a registrar job that I do, and so that's just computer work mostly. Just uh, try to make everything all fit in, and we. I love, didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, we love to host, and God has really blessed us with a lot of a lot of guests that have come throughout our time here. And so sometimes it's like cleaning up from having guests or preparing for for hosting more guests, food prep, just different things like that. So we love when uh, people come to visit us, either from the north or from friends that we know. 
in the area. So if you happen to need a vacation in Florida, make sure you look us up. We'd love to have you over. Uh, we can take you canoeing on the lakes in the area. And yeah, you can sort of have a rustic Florida, uh, central Florida experience. There's no ocean. You got to drive an hour and a half for that. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody loves an excuse to come to Florida. <laughs> That's for sure. So what is God currently speaking into your heart? Um, just kind of about where you're at in life today from we know we heard about what it was a few years ago but just the day-to-day of right now I think that's a really great place to uh sort of end this this episode again this was a morning I was driving some quiet time for me just to think and to talk to God and I had been thinking about sort of holding on and like trying to be faithful and trying to do the same things over and over again that I know are the right thing to do and not necessarily really feeling any like clear answers, not really feeling like, oh, you know, like I know how to move forward. We're going to be okay. You know, the situation is past. The intensity of the situation is past. I just kept thinking about how Jacob wrestled with the angel or with God. Scripture doesn't specifically say, you know, whether it was an angel or, or with God. But so I went and I actually looked up the passage in scripture in Genesis where it talks about Jacob wrestling with God and a little backstory for that Jacob had was was about to meet Esau so he had been separated from Esau after he had taken Esau's birthright he'd run away he'd run to uh, Jacob had run to his uncle he had spent many years there he was now married had um, Leah and Rachel and many children he was God had told him to to go and so he was out traveling and um, they realized that they were about to come across Esau and Jacob feared for his life he thought he was going to die he thought Esau was just going to sort of end every you know end everything that he had lived for the night before they're supposed to meet Esau, Jacob is wrestling. He re- he's wrestling with someone he doesn't know who, and he's just holding on. And at one point, God touches Jacob's thigh, and it says it, it shrinks. The sinew shrinks, and from then on, Jacob walked with a limp. <clears throat> and right mm-hmm. before sunrise, Jacob is just clinging to this Um, individual. And he says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. So somehow he knew that he was wrestling with God. And so God actually in that moment changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And it wasn't a, he didn't change Jacob's circumstances. He changed something inside of, of Jacob and how the world viewed Jacob and how God, it was, it was a very clear mark on Jacob of how God viewed Jacob. The rest of the day proceeded and they ended up meeting um, Esau. And the only thing that was different was that Jacob was now called Israel and he walked with a limp. None of his circumstances had changed. Nothing was different. The pain was still there. The uncertainty, the unknown, the fear was all still there. But inside, Jacob had become a new person. And when I think about that in my own life, sometimes when I'm just holding on desperately and I, I know, um, that I too walk with a limp. And, uh, for me, my limp is, is very obvious. You know, it's, it's Ian's health, it's infertility. It's something that somebody, you know, I I think we all walk with a limp. Some of it is more obvious 
to people than others. And for me, you know, you know, my limp is obvious. But when God speaks into my heart and changes my heart and really shows me how he views me, I walk differently, even though my circumstances aren't different. Um, So there's something just really reassuring to me to know um, that I can be changed inside and I can go on and and view the world differently, even though my circumstances don't change, view the world, view God differently. And so that passage has been really precious to me recently. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Ruth, we're going to have to go ahead and close this coffee break for now. It's been so fun. (laughs) It has, sure has. (laughs) And it was so fun to have the audience hear the backstory of since you're on our team. (laughs) Thanks, Shannon. I really enjoyed being able to share my story and, and to remind my heart about how God has, you know, been faithful in my life. And I just wanted to say, if you all, as listeners, want to go to the Women for His Honor website, www.womenforhishonor.com, I hope to be able to share some pictures there of our life and uh, maybe even the paintings that my sister painted. So feel free to go there and be able to actually visualize what I felt like the Lord was sharing with my heart. Well, ladies, that concludes this week's podcast episode. How has this episode encouraged or challenged you or someone you know? We'd love to hear from you. Just remit your email to info at womenforhishonor.com with attention, ministry team, and a subject line. Today's guest would love to hear from you as well. Using the same email address, just type attention with our guest name in the subject line. Rhoda Yoder will then pass on your email to the guest, keeping your sent message completely confidential. Thank you for supporting our ministry by listening today. Next week, we will be offering a giveaway here on the website, so stay tuned. Bye for now.